Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Season 2, Episode 26. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And returning for this episode is Alex Winter. He's the soon-to-be former resident of Altamont Springs in Florida. How's it going, Alex? It's going all right, Josh. How about you? Good. Where can they find your house for sale? They can find my house for sale on, on Zillow, Redfin, any of the uh, the different places that are, are selling it. But while I love Orlando, I've moved up to uh, to Tennessee for the time being. Get ready, Justin. He's uh, you got a new Tennessee wolf up there. But uh, yeah, seriously, go buy his house. Get the get this man some stress off of him. Speaking of stress, it was tense. It was nervous. We weren't quite our best, but... Nori, Ait Nori up against Ricardo into the penalty area. Ait Nori still, he's just held up. He pulls it back to Den Donker. Infield to Daniel Pudence. Pudence to strike it low! Daniel Pudence finds the bottom corner. What a finish! What a hit! And Daniel Pudence's long wait for a Premier League goal is at an end. So, final score was Wolves 2, Leicester 1. I did quite well. I predicted that score. Pat on the back for me. A, bl- a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. I'll start with you, Paul. How'd you feel about the game? It was really an exciting one for just casual viewers, I think. The first half, I think, and then for, for definite parts of the second, I felt they had the upper hand. So, when we scored to take the lead, it really did take that entertainment level up a notch because they were really knocking on the door from that point onwards. So as a neutral, it would have been a good watch. I think when we scored early, we had the opportunity to try and get on top. We were starting to look dangerous from corners and set pieces, but we weren't really able to make the most of those. And then it seemed like they always had a threat. So it wasn't all that surprising when they equalized it was just a case that we were not carved open but it was a very strange goal for Wolves to concede after recent weeks that it didn't seem easy but they seemed to be able to put a move together that we weren't able to combat so when that went I think we didn't lose that we did our heads didn't go down but we didn't seem like we had that swagger about ourselves so I think to really dig in and put that performance together, regard action, especially in the second half, I think is, is testament to what's been done to that team and how well they're being coached. Alex, what were your thoughts? With us and Leicester throughout this current Premier League era, there hasn't been truly a boring game. They, they've been all very tense, all very close. Whether it's been a goal fest or whether it's been a, a nil-nil draw, there's been a lot of intensity between us. It's one where we could say that we were lucky in some moments, but I think we were unlucky in other moments. With the Adema Lickman goal, it was just a pinpoint pass that with any sort of deflection, it would have not had a goal. And I, I think that even though there were some doubts with, especially at the end of the game where Saw had to make some saves, I feel we, we did fairly well against Leicester as a whole. Yeah, I thought uh, Saw was tremendous again. But who would you guys put as your man of the match? Paul, I already know your answer, but go ahead. Initially, it was Odin's, but after going back and watching it again, I think 
Neves at least equals him and probably just shades it just down to the defensive work that they had to do really. I think seems that we were playing three in the midfield. Maybe it should have been a little easier, but it wasn't. So Moutinho didn't have a best game. I think there were a lot of six and sevens. Neves was an eight and Podence was. Namely for, for their goals and there were but especially Neves in the midfield, he was having to do a lot of the work and, and covering all the ground. So yeah, on reflection, he, he probably shades it, especially with schools with a cracking goal. Alex? Yeah, I would agree that Neves is, even the opponents did very well. I would probably say Neves was the, the man of the match. And he made that, that lovely pass to be able to set up his goal first off. And, uh, and really, he was very involved with the game, even though it was a three-man midfield. I, I feel he was that important piece that, that really dictated that creative play that we haven't had in in some other games this season, but I feel Neves really took control of this game and allowed us to what to get the the three points. Yeah, I think I don't think you can go wrong between Potence or Neves, but I actually think Jose Saw deserves some consideration. There were some pretty awesome saves that he, like you were talking but, about, but Alex. We underappreciate how good he did throughout the season. Far, I agree. He had the highest save percentage in the entire Premier League. He's someone who, coming from coming from Rui Patricio, who had a relatively poor save percentage, even though he was a highly regarded name and has done a lot of great things in his career, Saw has really helped our defense and really started our summit, summit with that, which uh, Rui really didn't do. So. It's a real credit to their scouting department. Man, I can't think any of us were like, oh, yay, we're getting rid of Patricio and bringing in this younger guy. I think there was some cautious optimism, but I don't think anybody outside of Wolverhampton could have thought that, or even outside Molyneux, could have thought that he'd be this good. He's been tremendous. Paul, what would you give Roman Saiz grade-wise? I'd put him in the seven categories. So he's probably, he went about his business pretty quietly, but when you look at the stats and what he was able to rack up, he was probably the best out of those three at the back. And it's, it's interesting how he's come back in and, and started in. Again, pretty well. He hasn't been away, so yeah. I'm I'm setting you guys up yeah. here, Alex. What would you have given him? Sace, I would say, it, even though Kilman and and Cody have been got, getting a lot of praise over the the past year, two years, I would say Sace is our best defender, and we truly need to resign someone that, while he isn't the the swift feet, he's someone that is always in the right position, always someone who is able to clear a ball off the line or be able to to basically help clear the defensive needed. He's the reason why he's the captain of Morocco and led them to a, a decent result at the AFCON. I, I feel Sace is someone that has always been a little bit disrespected amongst some fans at Wolves. I mean, something that I feel that even though Bully is sitting past the bench and in the reserves at this point, I, I, I feel that 
that he is someone that hoped to give a one to two year extension uh, before the year ends out. So the reason I brought up Roman Saiz, he had 11 clearances against Leicester on Sunday. That's the most by a Wolves player in the Premier League this season in a game. Really, like you said, Paul, it was a quiet performance. But yeah, I, I find those interesting because then when you look at the stats, you're just like, wow, that he did really make an impact there. 11 clearances. I was glad to see, especially with the conditions, knowing that Vardy was out, they had Madison come off the bench. I wondered if Lester was just going to turtle up early and try and play. I got respect for them. They went after the game the entire time, which was good. It made for an entertaining match with that. I pull my notes here. <clears throat> so the defense, it did seem like they struggled at time because of the fact that Lester did keep putting on pressure. Paul, do you think that was just a one-off thing just because of the weather, or is this something that could become an issue further? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's a, a I don't for a cause for concern. And what I think helped, and it's it's very strange to think that it would have done, was the substitution. And it all seems to have gone quiet about large waiting too long to make subs now, because by switching and bringing Wang on, that really gave them more to think about from us offensively, where it was the other way around previously. So. I think that really worked for our favor. And if that was something that large had spotted and it's on in real time to make that switch, I think he needs to be rightly lauded for it. Yeah, that was an odd formation coming out, Alex. It said it was a 3-5-2, but then Den Donker was almost playing winger there in the first half until Wayne came on. Yeah, it was, it was certainly a unique formation, especially since Nevis scored early um, in the game, I feel that we could have gone a bit more attacking, but because of Nevis's goal within the first 10 minutes, it's something that, okay, we've got the goal. We could be, we could the tempo of the game, but we're not necessarily going to press for additional goals at this point until because our defense had been so good. Until, of course, Lookman got the uh, the goal in the 47 minute. So, yeah. Yeah. Which was a well-deserved goal. Yeah. Talk about that potence and Aitnery chance there, Paul. It looked like Aitnery made some moves just to get a pass off the potence. And I was worried that that was going to be a we lost uh, two points right there. It was... Full move for him to craft it and just the skill that's on display and now you've seen the the footage from the club sending out that really focus in and zero in on it and his close control for, on both occasions the one was the the flick and he sent in the other way then the last one was the cross turn he's just got so much talent when it comes to that it would have been fantastic goal if it had teed out Nuri up and it have hit it from the angle he was on and it would have gone in. I think it would have been one of the goals of the season thanks to that skill alone. So we, we, you've always got that with Podence that there's still always a fear that he's, he's one game on, potentially one game off. Yesterday did seem definitely like an on game and maybe just the went off the boil slightly in the second half and that's why he was the uh, the substitute, but I think 
we're beginning to see there's possibility with him now that he gets game time now that we've got some consistency, what he's all about. And if you can add a goal to his game consistently again, like he did yesterday, be a genuine threat outside the box in that, that position, which is good for We could have. And so speaking of left wing backs, did you see our, our old pal, Captain Stepover will now be signing a permanent with Porto. So Porto went ahead and announced it, but I, from what I gathered, once they made it uh, to the next round of Champions League, it was a mandatory buy anyway. So Ruben Vinagre going to Porto for $10 million plus a sell-on clause. You think that's yeah, a good... Uh, Lisbon for the $9 million pounds, plus we do have 50% left of his rights. Yeah, Alex has got it. I said Porto, didn't I? It's been a long day. Yeah, and that's great business for, uh, for Wolves itself. I mean, because... I mean, from Angers, we got um, eight Nori for a very similar fee. We mm-hmm. gave them 50% of their rights and paid about $9 million And we sold Vinagra for about the same amount. Wolves has, is a great investment company. They've made a lot of great deals. <laughs> there, there's some that we wish we could have done, but that's with any type of company. Heck, this past match, I would say, was the best bench in yes. any Wolves. So far, the Premier League era, it is one that that I feel that Wolves continuing to to move forward and continuing to play the way that they played last week and uh, the past few weeks is one that you to be in place to fight for Europe. Yeah, and and let's talk about the bench because obviously, other than the three points, the huge news was Pedro Neto. Not only making the squad, the game day squad, but coming in and really looking really good. I wondered about his speed anytime you're talking about a kneecap. How awesome was that, Alex, to see him out on the field? It was great. Heck, he he acted like he never left. He's been gone since April and there was really no rust. No, he was very electric. Almost scored uh, the goal on the the open net there at the end. But yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for Neto that he's he's back healthy and I'm hoping soon that he, he gets back in the starting lineup and, and really su- supports his team and really increases our attack, certainly. Yeah. That was us last week saying, oh, be gradually he's back into it probably be six out of ten for the minutes that he gets and bang out the gate that was at least a seven <laughs> would have been an eight with that goal if he'd have scored it so it was like he'd never been away and the old cliche just like a new signing but if we're adding players like a, a player of Neto's caliber at this stage of the season he's coming back and doing that then that's going to stand us in really good stead with the running for sure. Does he get a start in one of the two games this week? I would say he, he gets a start against West Ham. I don't think he's going to get a start against Arsenal personally. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to stick with relatively the same team that we did on Sunday against Arsenal. But I, I do feel that Netso will get a bit more through rain against West Ham. Paul? I still can't see him starting, but yeah, I think his minutes will still go up gradually. I think for a while, he's going to be on the bench and then 
he'll start to accumulate and then it's from about the 60 minute mark onwards. Once he's built a couple of those 40, 45 minutes stints up, then we might see him start probably uh, middle of next month. Okay. okay. So I got to vent here a little bit because obviously Spurs had a great comeback against Man City there in the final minutes, but, and it was a good game up until then. Keep in mind that if Harry Kane doesn't score in the 94th minute, it ends up as a draw. I saw so many people on Twitter that were like, Conte's amazing, elite manager, blah, 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 blah. And you don't hear Jack squat about Bruno Lodge. Am I right to be as frustrated as I am? Because Bruno Lodge practically pulled his pants down the week earlier. Pulled Conte's pants down. Paul, how is it good that Lodge is just completely overlooked or what? I personally like him going under the radar somewhat. That these guys can have the exposure and the attention and the, the London bias. I think Lodge is a character and an individual would prefer less of the spotlight as well, just to go about and do his business day to day, how he likes it. So I'm, I'm all good with it this week. This week's going to be really telling. It could shape our season. And I think a lot of it's got to, it's got to, it's, it has come down to large and what he's been able to do with the players that weren't his, that were at his disposal and what he's been able to mold them into. I really think whilst at the moment, I do think that top four aspiration is a real stretch and it's a lot to ask for two wins, but if we happen to pull off two wins in London come Sunday night, that could really propel us and put us on that trajectory to really ride out the, ride it out to the end of the season and be that team that goes on to get it. I generally could see that because of the focus and the more the, the profile that are the spotlight that the likes of Conte are under, uh, Ragnick at Man United, more spotlight equals more pressure. And, and even at that level, are they going to be able to handle it? Yeah. Keep the pressure off. Bruno could keep doing what he's doing and churning out these results. And we can, we can carry on with that and be happy with that. So I noticed some comments after the game. And I even heard some other people saying it. He's had a goal and assist in, in an assist in the last two games, but is there suddenly question mark over Raul in the summer? I personally still feel fine with him. Like I thought that assist was like vintage Raul, perfect hold up play, great assist. But Alex, do we need to be searching for a new number nine? Not because Raul has been a a bad player, but because Fabio Silva has not really stepped up to a potential starting level striker, it's more we need someone to come in because Rule is not getting young. It's more about not necessarily the performance that he has right now, but the fact that, yeah, while he, he does a lot of play also defensively and offensively, I feel we need a, a sort of Elite striker because Fabio has not really pulled that off. And uh, a true amount while Wing has been great for us during his time here. I feel we do need that physical striker similar to Jimenez. I don't know who exactly that would be, but, but someone that can really support the act just because we scored so few goals 
even though Jimenez has been great in terms of linking the play and for things like that. So we don't necessarily have to have a winger in the 3-5-2. We can have a more out-and-out striker in that position. Paul, how do you feel about him? I'm still okay. I think mm-hmm. I, I, on the balance of things, what we've seen is we have seen flashes this season in, in, in parts. He's done some good stuff and what his game's been renowned for, we've seen like the, the dropping deep and, and running from midfield. I think it was the Southampton game for that one. But it, I think what we've seen is that he's just not had that consistency this year. And it could be a bunch of factors that's gone into that. But for the most part, I, I think it's just a blip and we do have to factor in his age and we do need to be looking for that heir apparent, whether it is Fabio or it is someone else. But what we've got to think is that he hasn't got a ton of game time, even though he's 39, 31, that he was often that perennial sub. So has he still got the wear? You'd like to think so. Obviously he's got a bad injury that any factor going forwards we we might not know but i think for the most part currently currently it's just a bit of a blip i think what puts us in particular pressure going forwards is that we don't well we haven't since the really start of the season carves a whole lot of chances either so it's not as if he's been given these opportunities and he's not doing it when it's been presented he's not really had those chances really. so I'm I'm okay for, for the time being, and again, I think it may just be a switch that's flicked and it'll be the row of old before we know it and the goals start flowing. And again, we we could close that with him in form and taking us to places we never. So. Yeah, I still think he's getting used to not being able to use his head to direct in shots as much as he used to with the thing. But he also does so much of the dirty work. So it's, I get the fact that a lot of people want to see more goals coming in. Okay. But he's a, I still think he's a big key to their success. And I'm personally fine with him. I thought I was, I thought it was a little silly when I saw so many people that were like, oh, we need to move on from Raul. He was trash. I I don't really think so. Like I said, I thought the assist was just tremendous. Yeah, he's, he's, in and a, he's in and around where it matters on those particular occasions. I think where it gets magnified is that if he does drop deep to try and link the play and he coughs at possession, it just seems that's been a little bit more telling these past few weeks where previously it was very hard to knock off the ball or he'd pick up a foul or he'd do some skill or have a partnership to, to link up with a player that he's not really got at the moment. So maybe that comes with potence as this partnership forms, because it was interesting that he went with a five, three, two to begin with at home. So maybe they're seeing something on the training ground that they, there's a genuine partnership forming between those two, which, which could be uh, advantageous moving forward. Paul, I teased the game for tonight. You ready for it? Let's go, Josh. It was pretty rainy. It looked with awful conditions. Paul, have you sat in conditions like that at Molyneux? Is it that miserable? Once, twice, yeah. And, and yeah. away from home, yeah. It's cold, it's wet. 
the wind can be going in every different direction, but still hit you squarely on in the face. Yeah. But what it did get us a lot of was wet flowing locks all the way around. So then I came up with the idea, who has the best hair on wolves? So we're going to rank our top five each and determine from there who has the best hair on wolves. So here are your choices. Okay, keep in mind, and you're only going to get to choose your top five. Of course, Fabio. I think that goes without saying. He's got the Fabio locks. Neves is long hair this season. I think very elite look. Samedo, although he got it cut a little bit for this week, the semi-little mohawk going that he has. I've always liked that. Trincao, he's like a Fabio Jr. Aitner, he likes to go with a floppier look. You got Raul, but I'm going to preface it by saying Platinum Raul with the Zorro mustache. Those are key. You got Cody, who's the very simple, like, nah, just who needs hair? And then Botinho, who honestly looks like he just got out of a nine to five job, even after a full 90 minutes, like just immaculate. I don't know if he like gels it up before the game, but even that game, it was like everybody else soaking hair and his is perfect. Okay. Unfortunately, Adama couldn't be included because he's no longer with Wolves. Because I would have definitely had Dreads Adama number one. But Paul, I'll start out with you, and then I'll give my list after you two, and then we'll determine it. I've got my little point system over here. Who would you say has the fifth best hair, Paul? I can't believe you haven't got John Ruddy in this list. He'd be my number one. <laughs> Maybe we can do that another week. Fifth best, I'm going for, I'm going for Samedo. I think he has got some good versatility to run with. Okay. How about number four? Um, fourth, I am going for Moutinho. It seems like he'd take as much care of his hair as he would his garden. I don't think, I don't think there'd be a blade of grass out of place in that palatial Portuguese residence of his. Third? Definitely Trincao, I think. Really? A, You're just obsessed with Trincao, I swear. He's a walk-in advertisement for cologne, men's shampoo, and sharp suits. I wish that would translate to more output in the goals and assists columns, but yeah, he's outside of it now, Dane. Who's number two? Fabio, much like his position in the team, he's close, but... Just not quite good enough. The pieces look there, but maybe it needs a, a year or two really to form. <laughs> and I'm going to guess, I, I know who your number one is based on your list up till now, but go ahead and say it. Obviously, it's Ruben Neves. Obviously, it's Ruben This is just the cherry on top of the cake in terms of his awesomeness. It matches it with the most. All right, Alex, it's your turn. Who's your number five? Number five is actually the, the new signing, Chiquinho. Lily. Oh. So, Chiquinho, I, I feel that he has a, a solid hair with there and one that can, once he gets a, a little bit more style, he can certainly go on ahead and improve upon that ranking. Nice. Okay, number four. Number four is going to be Eight Nori there. 
Mm-hmm. But Nori, he's got some, some good hair. Sometimes it doesn't really work for him, but he's one that that certainly has that, just like Shikino, that potential to have that great hair. Yeah, and like the- number three, I'm going to upset Paul with this one. I'm going to have Neves at this point. Oh, Neves uh, at third. Neves at third. He has some luscious locks as shown, uh, especially when he, he got his 200th cap, showing that, that different thing. He has some great hair, but not one that I would not necessarily put in the, the top two. Second, I would put Fabio. He's got those luscious locks. He's got some some different things but sometimes it, it works against him and it doesn't necessarily fit and number one i'm gonna put trin cow i'm gonna put trin cow he's got that perfect i would say supermodel hair kind of thing he he doesn't necessarily show the supermodel in terms of his results but he has those supermodel looks in terms of being able to potentially show those great results for wolves and his hair really guides that way. Yeah. He definitely wears a suit without a shirt and loafers without socks. Definitely. Yeah. Just as his everyday normal wear, I think, around Wolverhampton. Okay. So here we go. My list was number five. I put Motinho. Very impressive. Number four, Semedo, when it was more of the. I didn't like this weekend's as much, but I grandfathered in his more of his mohawk look. Number three, Platinum Raul. I feel like you guys are really sleeping on Platinum Raul, especially when he got the Zorro like little. That that was elite. Fabio, I think that's a fair number two. We all actually had him at number two and number one. It's Ruben Neves, who just looks stunning. That is a cologne. We need a Wolves cologne, and he would be the spokesperson, surely. So, based on those rankings, there is a three-way tie for fourth, fifth, and sixth, and that's with Raul, Semedo, and Motinho. Trincao gets the number three spot. Fabio, he had 12 points there. He's number two. And number one, Ruben Neves. Seems... That was about what I was expecting. I didn't know if Fabio would be able to really get above him, but we'll see. I think that'll be a good one on Twitter, don't you think, Paul? I think it'll definitely turn into a poll, yeah. We may have slept on Saw, though, thinking about it, especially with that beard combination. I thought about, yeah, the beard would obviously... That would move Motinho up too. Again, just like perfectly. Th- but that's really not fair to somebody like Luke Kundal, who has probably never shaved in his life. I still say, I looked at his picture again. You cannot convince me that dude ain't like a sophomore in high school. There is no way he drives. None. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of those Nigerian players that make their debut when they're 17, but really they are 42. Yeah. The complete opposite. <laughs> It's like, yeah, the exact opposite of Dominican Republic baseball players. Oh, no, I'm, I'm 20 years old. No, you're not. You're 32 years old. Let, let's be honest here.
a few bars from the UK based rock band Reef. So we played probably their most popular track, Place Your Hands, but this is their current release and how poignant it is that it's called Wolfman. So what's so interesting about Reef <laughs> is that uh, lead singer Gary Stringer, they're originally from the West Country where the band was formed. Gary is a massive Wolves fan, so he's often seen at Molyneux and at away games. So not only are they a great band to listen to, they've got a tremendous back catalogue, but their lead singer is a Pride Wolf. So go ahead and, and have a good listen to, to Wolfman yourselves. All right. So now with the fun, let's look ahead to the upcoming games here. We got two big ones, Thursday against Arsenal, Sunday morning against West Ham. Obviously, two biggest games in the last probably two years, right? Yeah, since right after Project Restart, I would think. Yeah. Um, best case scenario is obviously six points, and we could find ourselves fourth or fifth after that. Do you think that's a realistic goal with both being on the road, Alex? I would say it's an optimistic goal, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's real. Wolves have been lucky their defense a little bit this year. I I love their defense, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they are the second best in the league in terms of the quote unquote talent that we. It, it's one that I feel that we will get four points, and that's a hope by my standard. But there we got six really chase break of a lock. Paul, I think four would be a tremendous return given the quality of both opponents, where they are in the table. But even based on that, I'd probably take three points out of those two. I think as long as those three points are against West Ham. I, I feel seem... like that is the biggest game of the season is Sunday's game against West Ham. Because if they can get the three points there, they're already... Wolves are already right in their rear view mirror with two games in hand. And suddenly you get a swing like that. And that puts us then definitely top seven for sure. As far as top six in them. That's, that's where it could come down to up to Sunday because one of those games in hand is the Arsenal game. So you can really scratch that and just concentrate on the West Ham one. And then all of a sudden that becomes somewhat of a six pointer. And I think out of those two sides, it seems like West Ham are on somewhat of a downward spiral as well. And there does seem certainly some echoes that are similar to ours about lack of reinvestment in the summer, you keep Jared Bowen quiet and you, you stop them from doing anything. Not much of a squad beyond that real first 11. If we're on the upward trajectory, they're on the, they're the ones who are on the downward one and, and they're potentially for the taking, which again, could possibly see us really go after that sixth spot and, and be a genuine challenger to, to lock it down and close the season out in that position. How about this budding Arsenal Wolves rivalry recently? Obviously we had bad thoughts about them since they tried to kill Raul, but then Neves and Cody both said something 
after the game about Arsenal was celebrating like they won the league. Personally, I'm okay with Arsenal celebrating like that. That was a big win for them. They went down a guy, Wolves were attacking, they held on and got a win. So I'm okay with it. I'm always one of those guys that, like, if you have a problem with it, then go beat them the next time. But do you think this is a, a genuine rivalry on both sides that's being formed now? Paul? I think there's the rivalry forming because we're so close on the table and you go down both sets of teams. We're pretty, pretty similar in terms of talent and potential output. I think what was frustrating for me and, and maybe it was reflected in what the players came out with instead was Arsenal never used to be a team that had to rely on the dark arts and the injuries and going down and, and playing for time. So that factors into it as well. There was, they may start having somewhat of a reputation for that and even to the extent of having a lack of discipline and all the red cards that they rack up, are they turning into a, a reflection of their manager? So for me, it's a case that I, w I want us to do well against them and I want us to beat them just to prove what you're going to do. We can overcome it and get the win. How do you feel about the rivalry, Alex? Yeah, I think one where where Arsenal understands here in the same thing is that this is not something that you would actually dreamed of a ago, but fans that here on with it and they're willing to fight for point against them. They are the team that I believe I believe they've already surpassed Tottenham in terms of wanting to get those points and get those different European spots and different like that. I feel Arsenal is that next challenge for us, that next team that that really we need to get by to be able to get consistent European football. It's one that while we haven't gotten it yet, I feel we have the, the talent to really go ahead and do that. And Wolves understands that. In order to get that European football, they need to beat Arsenal. And I feel that we'll be certainly geared up to beat Arsenal, though it always is tough on, on the road in London. It's one that I'm hoping they, they do well in. I think it'll be a draw, but I'm hoping they can certainly get three points there. Alex, you mentioned you figured they were going to go back with the 3-5-2 against Arsenal. Do you think it's... The exact same 11 or any changes at all? I feel that there there might be Marsal uh, coming in for Nori to start off with. All right. Guys, let's get to predictions then. Sounds like uh, you're thinking a draw, Alex. For Arsenal. We'll start with Arsenal. For Arsenal, unfortunately, I think a 1-1 draw. I am going to say Huang gets back on the score sheet and, and, and gets the goal for us, but uh, unfortunately it will be uh, a draw for us. Mm -hmm. Paul? Again, when I say that three points would be a good return from these two fixtures, I'm still not predicting us to lose. So I'll be positive. I will. I don't think you can say anything else than a draw at Arsenal. And if you're going one each, Alex, I'll say 
it'll be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> oh, man. I kept going back and forth between both of you guys' things. I do think it'll be a draw as well. You know what? They've shown enough on both sides. I'm going to say 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. I like Alex. And I like Huang scoring. So I'm right on board with what, with what you're saying there. Okay, and then the big game, also known as the Knicks Place Derby here in Houston, is West Ham and Wolves. Who you got, Alex? I've got Wolves. Uh, I've got them, uh, especially since uh, West Ham looked uh, a bit shaky against a a Newcastle side, which doesn't have as many. They didn't have Trippier. They didn't have have St. Maximin. I feel that we can certainly score against them, and I don't really feel that they have a lot of goals in them. I think it'll be a 1-0 win for Wolves, and I think Raul will... We'll get that goal there. Paul? So. I'm going to channel my inner Mick McCarthy team of a previous sojourn into the Premier League. It's my inner Kevin Doyle, Roland Subar, Matt Jarvis. I'm going for a 3-1 away. You are stealing my thunder. Damn it, Paul. <laughs> that was the exact score I was going with, was 3-1. I think Antonio will score one just because he's Antonio. He's He can bully people around. Yeah, I think 3-1. And I think Neto gets at least one of those. I think Wolves realize what's in front of them and the chance that this game brings. And I think they are going to absolutely be ready for it. And like you said, West Ham's not in the best form right now. There's a bus saw coming. His name is Pedro Neto. Paul, any no stupid questions? Yes, Josh. We actually got two uh, carryovered from last week, but it is the part of the show dedicated to you, our listener. So get in touch on the socials or by email and ask us anything you would like about the walls. We'll read it out and answer it during this portion of the show. So the first one that we're going to read out, and it's quite poignant given the speculation that I think was in some of the tabloid newspapers today, is this. Because on Twitter, the fact that Kilman was bought for peanuts and is clearly now at a minimum a £20 million player, does it show that heavy investment is not necessarily to break in to the top six places? So why... I think that is poignant is the rumors today that I think it was Chelsea had scouts at the game yesterday, scouting Kilman. If Rudiger looks like he's going to depart, they will need a replacement for him. And obviously with Kilman's form and everything, he's been identified as a possible replacement. So just on, on the point that Cosa raises, I do think that 20 million is certainly the lowest end of the uh, the spectrum of his valuation pro- probably needs to be doubled. Um, I was going to say, is that 20 million? Which leg does that get? That's right. <laughs> and again, it, it talks tremendously to what we've mentioned in the past about saleable assets and how much disruption a particular sale would do to the team. Do is is Kilman the sacrificial lamb because he could bring in 40, 50 million, whereas Neves is doing interviews on Wolves TV saying how much he loves it and 
wants to be here, which is, is great, great for us to, to hear. It's just making sure that, that those promises are kept. But I think going on that particular comment, I think it's, it probably can get us maybe flirting with the European place. It's around six or seventh, eighth top half. If we're really cute on our scouting networks and going from a Patricio to uh, a Saar and a Vinagre to a Ryan out Nuri. But I think to grab that brass ring, that's when we can't necessarily rely on that. You, you do need that heavy investment to take that next step. Alex, who's better right now? Is Harry Maguire better or is Kilman better? I would personally say Max Kilman is the better player right now. Harry Maguire, post the Greece incident and everything that happened, has not really shown himself to be a leader. While Cody is our leader, Kilman has really shown a propensity to try and, and move forward and really start the play instead of just being someone to support the right side. He's someone that I feel is more valuable than Harry Maguire at, at this point in time. While I agree with Paul that we can certainly go on ahead and supplement a lot of things with investment. And as, as folks kind of plans, they're not really looking to spend as much as a Manchester United spends on, on certain players. But I feel that Wolves, with the right investment, with the right different things, they might not get to Manchester City level, but they will, will certainly get to a fighting for Europe each year level with consistent recruitment and consistently trying to bring in the, the best guys to fill in the one that do inevitably sell. Real quick, what do you think Harry Maguire in pounds is rated on transfer market? Don't cheat. What do you think Harry Maguire is rated on there? I think I would he's probably gone down to what? about 35. 35? Alex? Because he was 80 million when he was bought, I'm guessing somewhere just because they keep the value, even though he's not necessarily worth it, I would say something like 55 million pounds. 38.86 million. Oh, what do you think Max Kilman's is on transfer market? I, I was actually looking at this relatively recently, so I don't want to spoil this, but it was uh, it was less than Connor Cody at the the current moment. So, <laughs> Paul, what, what's your guesstimation? Put him around about the fifteen to eighteen million transfer market as of today has him as a seven point two nine million pound player. That's a fantasy. That's a fantasy football valuation. <laughs> Never mind transfer market. That's Can you imagine? Yeah, it just goes to show. Number one, obviously, the name on the front of the kit matters. Okay. Number two, being on the national team matters. Okay. I feel they're trying to say that Harry Maguire is a 31, pound, 31 million pound better player than Max Kilman. Get the fuck out of here. There's my F bomb right there. Max Kilman right now, I feel, is worth 35. I think that's fair. He's 24 years old. He's the best player on Wolves this year. Him and Nevitz. Okay. 
And then and once he gets this, forget Jose saw. Yeah. 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 And once he gets an England call up, which has to happen soon, you can add another 10, 15 to that. I don't want to see him sold for anything under 50 million pounds. And I don't think I'm being ridiculous in that. Right. He's the Ben White category. He's he's going toe-to-toe with Ben White in terms of his career trajectory. And I think what put him in the spotlight for the likes of a move to Arsenal was that international cap and that international experience. If you do add that on top of what Kilman's achieved, I think he'll be in that he'll be in that category after the end of this season. Okay. And that was right around 50 million, if I remember yeah. correctly. And, but then it comes to a point on with Kilman. Okay. Yeah. You get a ton of money on that, but then you're going to have to spend at least half of it to bring in a new center back, unless you think Mosquera is ready to, to take it over. And is that player going to be better than Kilman? I don't know. And that's where it gets interesting with those top six teams is guys like Man City and stuff. They can afford to get rid of Max Kilman's because then they just spend that money and more to get somebody else in there, like a Ruben Diaz or somebody. So I do think you can't just rely on internal development only to get uh, to be competing every year in the top six. I think he can occasionally. Like we were talking about Leicester City yesterday, Paul, but. To be that consistent threat, you do have to spend some in the market. Not saying you have to spend like those guys do, but you have to spend some. The next question is from a good friend and recent podcast guest, John Burkhart, over in the UK. And he asks, which Wolves player, past or present, would you take with you to the Houston livestock show and rodeo ah. March 9th when he's in the country visiting and if you didn't pick up on that episode folks Johnny's over from the UK he will be speaking at South by Southwest and is looking to get together with fellow Wolves fans in Austin around that time but it's looking likely that his flight will bring him into Houston first, so we might get get to Hang out at the rodeo with John and show him the wonderful sights of, I don't know, battered Twinkies. I would not say Raul because I imagine that he's probably been to Tejano night at the Houston rodeo. If he's ever been in town at that time. I am going to say Connor Cody. I think Connor Cody would just be fascinated by the whole thing and he'd be dropped. He'd have so much comedic material after that. If Wolves cameras followed him around during the Houston rodeo. That would be internet gold. So I'm going to say Connor Cody. And he's got his family to show him the sights as well. So it would That's right. kill two birds, two one stones to the family and go to the rodeo. But my pick is definitely Jose Sar. I could just see him in boots, <laughs> cowboy hat, the works. I think he'd, he'd jump into it with two feet and absolutely uh, go nuts for it all. So that's who I'm going to go with, John. Even though I, I don't have uh, a great knowledge of the, the Houston Rodeo, I would personally say George Lacobe, uh, <laughs> former. Uh, I mean, he would not be intimidated by any bull or anything that would be there. And uh, he is a, a very lighthearted, friendly guy. I feel that could do, he could be very entertaining and one that people would love him and he would love the atmosphere as well. 
there may even be a George Elicobi riding contest where you get to jump on his back and see how long he can last. So I think you've got a good pick there, Alex, for definite. And I'm going to say too, Jose Saw, I could see him being a bull rider. I think he'd get all his gloves and everything because he's just got that mentality. And then obviously potence would be mutton busting. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Because there are some five-year-olds that are probably his size, so. <laughs> Potence riding a sheep would just be incredible. Oh, man, we could make a whole show on wolves at the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show. If you're listening, uh, and especially those of you that tune in from the UK, everything that we've mentioned are genuine things that happen. So just be careful with Googling riding sheep. That may not be... On UK service. <laughs> just mutton busting. Just mutton busting. Definitely mutton busting. Don't do anything other than that. If you want to look it up, you'll find all about it that way. Do not look up riding sheep. Who would like the who would like the fried um Twinkies better, do you think? I think that'd be a, a Roman size. Yeah, they could have him taste testing all of the delicacies across the rodeo. See, I feel like Fabio would be all about that because he's still got that younger vibe to him and everything. I could see him being like fried nutter butters. Heck yeah. And then Max Kilman. No, see, I think Roman Saiz would go with the turkey leg. Yeah, I, I would personally say in Matt Murray from going back a, a little bit with there. He would be one that would be willing to, to try anything. And he'd go ahead and have the, the fried nut or butter or have a turkey leg and be able to get six saves and still get a clean sheet with it. So, <laughs> have you ever been to a rodeo, Alex? I'm sure you have. I have. It's been a while, but it's, uh, it's certainly a fun time. Yeah. So the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show, it's this huge fair that's there. And then you go inside and it's about a two-hour rodeo, and then they have an hour-long concert by uh, sometimes. A lot of times it's country stars, but sometimes they they bring in some new journeys performing this year. Marshmallows. It's always a good time. Yeah, I think forget them going on their little vacation to Spain. We need to work the schedule so they take a little vacation to Houston for the rodeo. So, Alex. Let people know how they can get in touch with They you. can get in touch with the Florida Wolves and Orlando Wolves via Facebook, but you can uh, get in touch with me personally via that as well. And since I'm up in the Tennessee area, I would be happy to join if you're in Florida or in Tennessee, either one. So I need to, you and Justin need to take a photo the first time you guys meet up for a Tennessee Wolves thing. Exactly, yeah. And I don't know if anybody saw the photo uh, of me and Paul that we took yesterday. I seriously, it's real life Daniel Podence and Max Kilman is what it is. <laughs> I look like the Make-A-Wish kid with Paul right there. <laughs> and I'm not that short. It's Paul is that tall, folks, okay? I'm not 5'2". Paul and with his daughter, yeah, it was just his daughter was so exuberant in that photo. I saw it on Facebook as well. <laughs> And his daughter was standing on a bench behind me, so she's not taller than me at seven years old. I just, I just need to make this clear that I'm not as tiny as I appear when I'm standing next to George Mirasan over here. <laughs> and that brings this week's show to an end. So please continue to do what you can 
in terms of liking, subscribing and reviewing a lot of wolves on the podcast platform that you find yourself listening to us on right now. Between games, we're most active on Twitter. We regularly do live halftime spaces for most games. And as well as that, we're on Facebook too. Or, or if it's good old email, send it through to hello at wolves.com. So we're going to be back after that double game week. So we'll do West Ham and Arsenal. And then it'll be looking forward to a home game against Crystal Palace. So in the meantime... Let's have a big week, everyone, and up the walls.